Welcome to an instant reaction Swarmcast 24-7 Sports Hawkeye Insider David Eichel along with Sean Bach. Just following Iowa's 103-91 loss uh, to number four Michigan. Uh, and really quick before we kind of dive into this, Sean, I do want to mention that Hawkeye Insider is offering a 50% off an annual subscription. Uh, get all the Iowa scoop uh, analysis, message board content, and community. Uh, at half the price that we normally do, and we, we've put out a ton of content. There's going to be a ton of content on recruiting, uh, especially during signing day, obviously basketball season, uh, football season, just everything in between. I know Sean works extremely hard, as does you know, Dylan and I. We, we bust it out. So 50% off. That is for new members and active members that are on a monthly subscription. So be sure to take advantage of that. That deal is going to run through the weekend. So be sure to hop on that. But uh, yeah, Sean, uh, just give me your initial takeaways. Iowa, obviously. Luca Garza, first of all. I mean, a- unbelievable 44-point effort. But Michigan proving, I think, that they're a definitely top 10 team in the country. Yeah, I would say that. Um, and I think Iowa gave them a lot of opportunities, too. I think with the 2-3 zone, I know a lot of people were questioning that call by Fred McCaffrey. But you look at it and you're kind of like, well, yeah, they're kind of carving up Iowa, but – Maybe because I was just so thin in depth right now and just kind of like how really they haven't had many days to rest because you look at it, they had what? They played Friday. Mm-hmm. They had a couple of days and I'm sure they want to kind of enjoy themselves with maybe some family too. Um, played And then they played at Syracuse on, what was it? That was Tuesday or Wednesday? Tuesday. So you have one day and then you have another travel day on Thursday. And then you play on Friday at at an environment like Michigan. So there's not a lot of time for in-between games to really get settled and really – because you've focused so much on one opponent that Mm -hmm. then you have to go to the next. Um, But that's conference play for you. That's what's going to happen during January, February, and March. You're going to have those – you're going to have those games where there's not many gaps in between. you got to learn how to adjust to it. And I think, too – with this Michigan team, just because, I mean, it's, I know it's not a John Beanline coach team, but they have so many guys that are just so well-rounded and so just, like, very good basketball players that are hard to prepare for. Like, Xavier Simpson can do a little bit of everything. Um, hit from deep today, too, a decent amount. I think he was two of three from distance, which is pretty good for him, was efficient, had six rebounds, seven assists, 16 points, and is really arguably one of the top point guards in the Big Ten up there with, Cassius Winston, when you have a guy like that too, that just makes everyone around him better. It's so much harder to prepare for because even though he was had foul trouble, John Teske still had 16 points. Uh, Franz Wagner had 18. Um, Isaiah Levers had 14 and Brooks had 13. And those are all your starters in, in double digits, which kind of shows how hard this Michigan team is prepared for because they have so many guys that can beat you in so many ways. And when they're hitting it from 32, they're a really tough team to stop. Yeah, and I think you kind of dive into it. I mean, you kind of mentioned it. I mean, they were 10-24 to 24 for the game. Iowa's perimeter defense, I thought, before tonight was showing signs of improvement. But Michigan just came out, Sean. They, they weren't missing a thing. I mean, they shot 55% for the game, went 29-34 of 34 from the foul line. I mean, that'll always get the job done. Xavier Simpson did four times, but finished with 16 points, seven assists, six rebounds. And, I mean, they were carving up Iowa's 2-3 zone, like you mentioned, all night. And it's kind of one of those things, and I think every number good point about the depth right about that and i think that this was i want to say an, an over 
stop Xavier Simpson from driving. But that's what carved up Iowa in the Big Ten tournament is when he did that. And I think Fran felt like that if they went to man-to-man, he'd be able to do that all night. So he was going to continue to take his chances uh, with the zone. But once he switched back to man, I think that sparked Iowa's mini run once Simpson and Teske and all those guys got in foul trouble. But Iowa kept hitting big shots. But, I mean, Michigan, would every time Iowa would get within 10, 8, you kind of felt like the momentum was swinging. Brooks would hit a three. Uh Wagner would get to the foul line. Uh, Simpson, like you said, hit a pair of threes. Isaiah Livers and Brandon Johns, who really is not much of an impact player at all for Michigan. I mean, finished with 12 points and eight rebounds. He was one for seven from career from three-point range. Hang into tonight. He went two or two. Uh, I'm sorry, two or three on the game. So they, they played like a poised veteran team, and I think that's also just kind of what the, that presence that Juwan Howard brings. And that that's going to be a dangerous Michigan team, I think, if they can put it all together. Yeah, totally. And I think, too, with Michigan, um, with Iowa's 2-3 zone, just playing that, like, it's tough to rebound in a zone. And I think we saw that, too, tonight. Um, Michigan had 12 offensive rebounds compared to Iowa, who had 15 defensive rebounds. And Michigan had 26 defensive rebounds. So when you're in a 2-3 zone, it's kind of hard, or even just a zone in general. It's hard to hard to box, hard to box out because you don't have a – a guy that you're really matched up with. So you kind of got to go find a guy. You got to communicate a lot more, which makes it difficult compared to a man-to-man because you know who you're guarding, you know who you want to box out. So that's a big difference too. And I think with Michigan attacking the boards, it did a good job of that. They have a lot of length on that team um, and really made its priority to get get on the offensive glass. Um, I mean, Iowa had 15 offensive rebounds too, but I just think that was a pure – pure kind of size and just they were shooting a bunch. So um, they shot 74 shots compared to Michigan only shot 58, which is kind of hard to believe because Michigan ended up winning by 12. But um, so I think those numbers could be a little skewed, but I do think just having that two, three zone makes it really tough for, for offense, for the defense to kind of get into a rhythm with the rebound because it's just so hard to really kind of find a guy at the top, just like out of nowhere um, and be able to adjust to that every possession. And I think Michigan did a good job of really crashing the glass and getting those opportunities to, and then using the shot clock, because I think a couple of those opportunities were later in the shot clock that they got the offensive rebound um, and got, were able to set their offense up again. Cause I think they were talking about towards maybe the later part of the second half, they were like, maybe we should show the, the time of possession on the screen to kind of show how just how dominant Michigan has been. Not really mm-hmm. not not dominant in terms of offensive rebound, but just like dominant in terms of getting an offensive rebound and setting up their offense and using most of the shot clock again. I mean, you know, like I said, I it felt like every time Iowa would get the momentum, Michigan would just say nah. It was almost like in different in a different way, I'm comparing it to the football game when Iowa played Michigan, because every time Iowa would get a little bit of momentum, Michigan would just say nope, nah. And that, that's exactly what happened tonight. Uh, mentioned earlier, Luca Garza, 44 points, 17 of 32 from the field. 0 for 3 from three-point range, but eight rebounds. And, I mean, it, it was a really good, I think, strategy by John Howard. I mean, he wanted to lock down the perimeter uh, because of all of Iowa's shooters, like Frederick coming back, Bohannon, obviously, uh, Garza, Wieskamp. And they let Garza just go to work time and time again inside, and he continued to do it. But then Michigan would come down the other end and hit a three. 
Great game for Garza. Got Teske in foul trouble. And once Teske got in foul trouble, I, I don't know, Sean, I, I felt like, you know, if Iowa could just close that gap uh, with two, three minutes left in the first half, that, you know, we'll see how the game goes. But, you know, it was probably as rough of an outing as I've seen Cordell Pemsel had. I mean, clearly hampered by the back injury, though, as well. I think you saw when he went to the foul line, he kind of grabbed as back uh, after the guy, you know, missed the block and kind of landed on him. But bad pass by him was, you know, missing defensive assignments. And that was the case, I think, for a lot of Iowa's guys, especially in that first half. But, uh, you know, I was saying effort by Garza. But I think this also proves a bigger point that Iowa needs to find some front court production besides Garza. They need to have Ryan Creener come about. They need to have Cordell Pemsel channel what he did as a freshman uh, because this could be very important for this team because Garza is not going to be able to go out there and put up 40 points a night. He, he's not going to be able to do that. And Iowa needs to find a way to create open opportunities for three. I mean, Bohannon, Frederick, and Wieskamp combined for 21 points on eight, eight of 23 shooting. That's not going to get the job done. Iowa doesn't have the depth to let those guys do that and, and hope to you know come away with a win against a top five team in, inside you know their home arena. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Ryan, I think, too, you said Garza's not going to be able to put up 44 points a night. He's not going to be able to play 36 minutes every night, too, with yep. the gauntlet of the Big Ten schedule, like I mentioned earlier, being so condensed and just playing those highly competitive physical matchups. That's going to take a real wear and tear on him, which is going to really affect him come February, March, and maybe even January if he continues to play those minutes. Um, so, yeah, I just think the pure health standpoint, um, I know some people were saying that Maybe they shouldn't have played Luca Gar or not Luca. Maybe they shouldn't have played Cordell Pemsel tonight, um, just because it's so risky with what he has. And I agree with them a little bit because I think coming into this game, I mean Iowa had a shot. There's no doubt about it. But I don't know what Pemsel really would have brought in terms of maybe just depth, which is so important at this point. But I don't think he was fully ready to really go into this matchup and be prepared to go up against some of those Michigan bigs. And same thing with C.J. Frederick. I thought C.J. Yeah. did fine. He was uh, only shot the ball six times, over two from three, had a couple of – had five assists in 30 minutes, so that's good for him. But obviously his impacts would have been a lot more if he was if he was 100%. Yeah, no, I think you hit the nail on the head there too because I, I think you kind of saw it when Frederick had that driving layup, I think the first three minutes of the game, Sean, he, he got to go off the glass, but you could tell – he got up a little bit slow, and you, you see his face kind of scrunch up. But he played through it, and he played hard. I mean, he still gave you 30 minutes, led the team in assist with five, um, went three, six from the field, a little bit gun-shy from three-point range, only attempted two. Uh, like I said, I think they really need to find a way to free him up because they got to be able to spread defenses out. they got to, you know, allow Garza. Because I don't think Garza is going to be able to – teams aren't going to be dumb enough to allow Garza to go one-on-one every single game because it will bite teams in the butt uh, eventually, but kind of diving into that. Uh, we did get a couple questions, Sean, specifically about uh, Jordan Bohannon. 
and I want to preface us talking about this by saying this is not inside information. This is pure speculation based off the comments of the television. We have not heard anything inside the program. So this is just for the conversation. But a couple of people are tweeting at me, Sean, that uh, Tim Brando and the uh, Fox Sports crew mentioned that Bohan, they were talking about Bohan's injury, and they said his other hip, his good hip now, isn't doing so well. Uh, and he's, you know, he is in a lot of pain. And obviously, Chad Leiskell of Des Moines Register reported uh, following Iowa's win against Syracuse that Bohan had told him that he's not even practicing right now because he's Jeez. in so much pain. Uh, and I, I wrote a column about it on Hawkeye Insider just kind of saying that he, needs, he deserves praise regardless if he plays or not this season. But I'll tell you what, if, if you're thinking about the kid long-term future-wise, if he wants a pro career, which there's no doubt, I think Bohan's going to be a big-time money maker overseas somewhere because of his shooting ability and everything. You take the red shirt year, you heal up, and you come back and you know kind of go out the way you want to. At Iowa, especially with the pieces that they have returning next year, um, I'm not particularly surprised to hear that the hip is doing his, if, if this is true, again, it, that his good hip is struggling a little bit because his other hip now is overly working to try to compensate for one that's still not back to hundred percent following surgery. I had a, I had a good buddy of mine played basketball, didn't have the same surgery as Bohannon, but I remember his other hip did, you know, his other hip did go bad on because he was overworking, overworking it during his rehabilitation process. Right. And. I had something with that too with my hips that like I think there was a thing where since one is different, then the other's different. So since they're not even, that causes both to kind of do different kind of I don't I don't know what the word is. I'm not a doctor, not going to school to be a doctor, but uh <laughs> it's like something with them just like diff working differently together and that kind of causes like stress on both of yes. them because they need yep. to be even. So I mean I had the same issue too, and it's painful. And especially with Jabo, he's going to have to move laterally against some of the best point guards in the country when he's playing in the Big Ten. And we saw it today, too. I mean, we didn't see it as much because in the 2-3, you don't have to really guard a guy or follow a guy around or play help side and move so much, as much, I mean, as you do in a man-to-man. Um, mm-hmm. You can take that whatever way you want. But, um, yeah, I just think he's going to have to, at this point, if it keeps bothering him, like – I know their depth is thin, but this is going to be good for like Joe Toussaint and even Bakari Evelyn to get more minutes because I think Bakari has come on a little stronger. He played really well against Syracuse, against Syracuse arguably his best game as a Hawkeye. And he, he looked fine today. I mean, wasn't really too, didn't get too much playing time, but I think once you get him into the, into the pattern of things and really start getting him involved a little more. If Jabo were to go out, then that's going to really benefit him and this team because I think Bakari has the tools to be a legitimate Big Ten point guard once he can get settled and once he can get things figured out. I I agree with what you said. I think Joe Toussaint was showing a lot of fire and a lot of swagger. I mean, he was probably Iowa's best Bruner defender, and I, I you just watch him play defense. I mean, the way he works and the amount of effort he puts in, I think is huge. He's got to get those shots to fall, though. I mean, he has shot horribly over the past five, six games. He's got to be able to finish at the rim. But if he can just get his, you know, get some buckets down, yeah, I think you really got a lightweight table. But hang on to that position this quickly before we kind of wrap things up here. Connor McCaffrey's, I mean, I, I think he's really found his niche with the team. 12 points, no turnovers. Uh, I believe it was seven rebounds tonight. Uh, seven rebounds and three assists. 
I mean, he's playing good basketball for Iowa and he's playing good, you know, as decent on defense. I don't really want to go out on the limb and say anyone's playing good on defense after he gave up 103 points, but you got to really like what he's bringing to the table right now. Uh, three point shot still needs work. And obviously the defense can always be better, but he, he, I think he's really kind of proven himself over the last little stretch. Yeah, I agree. Um, I just think what he does is so invaluable to this team. Just being that extra coach on the floor, as I've said so many times before with Connor, um, he brings a lot. I, I mean, I know his three point shooting hasn't been, hasn't been spectacular. I mean, he's hit a couple of shots in recent games and that's obviously not his forte. Um, but you just see how we picked apart that Syracuse zone the other day and just how what he brings in terms of just his playmaking ability and his what he wants to do to, like, create for others. Because, I mean, you look at this. He had zero turnovers today. Iowa only had seven turnovers. That's pretty good. And I think a big reason for that low number is because Connor was on the floor for a lot of the game. And I think he brings that sort of comfort and consistency that you need in a team, just being that leader that can tell guys – to calm down and just really get things together. I think that's so important too um, with some younger guys on the floor. Like I wouldn't say Wieskamp's younger, but I mean Frederick and a couple of the other, like Joe too, he's kind of that calming factor when Tucson's out there, kind of like slow down Joe. Like you don't need to go a million miles per hour every time you're on the floor. And I think too, that's kind of, that's good for them because just having him just makes, just makes things seem more steady. Like I said, not the most athletic guy in the world, but I think what he brings is beyond the stat sheet. And we've even seen it on the stat sheet where today he had 12 points and some games he'll have like eight or nine assists and no one even realizes it. Instead, they're seeing that maybe he's not the fastest guy on the floor. That's what they're seeing. They're not looking at stuff beyond that. The extra ball, the extra pass, the extra box out, the great cut to the lane, the great uh, I don't know, dribble penetration for an open kick out, which leads to another shot. There's just so many intangibles that he brings that you can't really measure unless you're really looking in depth. And I think that's why he's so important to the scene, why he needs to keep getting the minutes that he is. Yeah, to kind of wrap things up, I think the big thing that people want us to talk about, we we kind of talked about it a little bit um at the beginning of the podcast, Sean, but what what can Iowa do defensively just to try to, try to make something work because he gave up 103 points to a Michigan team. And granted, this is a big contrast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You give about 103 points to a Michigan team that scored, I think, 46 points or 43 points at Louisville a couple nights ago. I mean, that's a 60-point swing. I mean, two Power 5 teams, and Iowa's not exactly the bottom of the barrel in the Big Ten. I mean, they're probably in the lower middle, middle pack, but... A sixty-point difference. I mean, what can Iowa do defensively to try to try to make something work? I mean, it's kind of tough right now because you see what Brian McCaffrey is dealing with. There's really little to no depth on this roster. Um, they probably got what, like seven or eight guys that you can really count on to contribute consistently. 
and yeah, yeah, you don't yeah, you don't it. it's a really thin rotation and that's you don't want to play man to man because that just adds to more fatigue and more struggle um and with zone i mean it's worked in the past but as we saw today it was not good at all like just michigan found ways to pick it apart and i think that's going to depend on the matchup too because mm-hmm. michigan as we know almost seems unbeatable at home always seem to shoot well with those weird nets that they have that are really thick. Um, and just the Chrysler Center crowd, too, is one of the best in the country. And I think that's kind of a home-cooking thing. Also, I think that had to do with part of their shooting performance. And with Louisville, it's a tough environment. Louisville is the number one team in the nation, very good defensively, a lot of length. Um, not to say Iowa has a lot of length, but I think Louisville is a much more athletic team, a much more longer team. And like I said, the number one team in the country. And that was yeah. after yeah. a stretch where Michigan played what? Like North Carolina and Gonzaga. Like those were tough games. So that probably had to do with it with their fatigue and they were kind of refreshed. Big Ten opener for this one. So I think you gotta give credit to Michigan here too. Um I mean I don't want to I don't want to say that Iowa's defense was the whole issue for it, but for the hundred three points, but I think you gotta give the Michigan offense some credit because they were really good offensively found the open guy we're able to get good shots down low um and just kind of get get those opportunities that like a team like texas tech did not do well against iowa's two three zone or just their zone defense in general so i think i think you got to give a hat to michigan here for just kind of putting everything together and really playing probably one of their best games of the season that's saying something yeah, no, and I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, you do need to give Michigan credit. I mean, they had six guys scoring double digits. I mean, they, they were finding the open guy, like you said. They were hitting the shots. I I, I will say this, though, and again, you got to hit the shots. They, they they played low turnover ball. I think they only turned the ball over nine times. Um, So, I mean, they, they played really well. But I think communication was – I think that was a major problem for Iowa's defense. And I felt like just so many times there were so many unnecessary double teams or switches – or just misreading what Michigan's trying to do offensively. And that led to numerous open shots. So I will say this, and people aren't going to take my advice because it, yeah, no, that people act the way they want to act. And that's fine. It's part of being a fan. Relax. Iowa lost to three pretty damn good basketball teams. I mean, DePaul, look at DePaul. They're nine and right now. San Diego state's a top 25 team. And you got Michigan, a top five, you know, a top 10, top five, top 10 team. Uh, doing work. So Iowa has plenty of time to get the defense fixed. Now, if Iowa can't go and beat Minnesota, then I think we're going to have to start having a little bit of a larger discussion. But until then, I think there are a lot of things that are fixable. Um, I think Bohannon needs to sit this year, as we kind of mentioned. And the last thing I do want to kind of bring up, Sean, I don't think we've d- kind of dived into enough detail. Joe Wieskamp has got to get going. I mean, he... Seven points tonight, and granted, he he's gonna get he will get going later in the year. But let's keep this in perspective as well. He had a hyperextended elbow that he suffered in game one. He that dragged on for two or three games in Las Vegas. Uh, I can't confirm this, but I was hearing rumors that he was throwing up before the game or after the game because he was sick. So that's something to keep an eye on, but. Wieskamp right now, the way teams are defending him, they're defending him really well, and Wieskamp is just not being as aggressive taking shots or trying to get to the hole. It's almost like he's shying away from contact trying to drive in, and I think that's got to change. Again, I think he'll get together, but if Iowa wants to make the tournament, I mean, think about it, especially if Bohannon calls it quits on the year. 
they need Wieskamp to drop 15 a night at least. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And you tweet out too, you need they need the Wies camp that they expected to have this season. He's so important to this team. When he's on, he's clicking both sides of the ball. And it's too like like Iowa fans can look at it this way where if Wies camp doesn't have the best season, he's not going to go to the NBA draft. And you could you could look at it that way, but I think too if he puts together the caliber season that he could have Maybe like NBA teams start showing up, but right now you want him to play at his high level because he is so when he's good, he is so good. Like just yep. both sides of the ball. Like I don't think there's a guy in this team that can have the impact he can have on both sides of the ball when he's at the top of his game. Like there's no one. No, and no, I agree with you 100%. Again, I think he'll get going. I think this is a big mental test for him, big mental hurdle, but. You know, I think all Fran would have to do is show him, you know, I, here's what I would do if I was Fran. I'd show him a couple highlights from last season. I'd show the two clutch free throws he hit against Tennessee. I'd show that Northwestern game when they were at Northwestern and he put together a mini run, I think 10-0 run by himself, and say, look, you can do this against, you know, power five teams, power six teams, whatever you want to call them. You can get it together. We, you know – Iowa, I'm Fran, I say, we need you. We need you to be great, and he's got to be able to take that next step. But it's kind of concluded. I think I think Iowa did show a lot. I think Iowa's shown a lot in this non-conference stretch. Again, I know they, they're 6-3 and three right now, but if they can get together, you know, improve a little bit defensively, I think that they can be a lower, you know, tournament team. I think they got the talent. I think they got the pieces, but they need Wieskamp to be great. They need contributions from Frederick. They need Garza to be the Luca Garza that he's been. Um, and they need to get some contributions from Joe Toussaint, Bakari Evelyn, and a couple other guys. But I, I do think that – I don't think the NCAA tournament should be off the table at this point. I think that they do have the talent to do so. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you. A lot of things have to go right, obviously. Um, they got to win some games they're not supposed to. But I think if you're a fan, you look at where they're at right now and you're kind of happy. Um, so, cause I mean, what you're six and three or five and three, six, six, and three. three, you lose to a team against DePaul, which I know coming into the year, you're kind of like, nah, we should win this game. But DePaul is a top 25 team right now. You lose against San Diego state, who is a top 25 team in my opinion right now with one of the best guards in the country is a Malcolm and you lose to a Michigan team that could be a final four team. And you beat a team like Texas Tech on a neutral floor who has been struggling as of late but has a lot of talent and also one of the best freshmen, Jamis Ramsey. You beat a Syracuse team who I consider trash at this point. <laughs> Just looking at them off, at least offensively, they are garbage. Yeah, they, got, they got some bad problems there. Yeah, but you win at Syracuse, which in itself is a huge win. So I think you look at that there coming into here and you're kind of like, okay, like that, I, I take that. Don't want you agree. Probably mm, that's yeah. Cause you get the win over Texas tech. Yeah. Probably you take that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know a lot of people would rather have, cause I mean, that's a resume boosting like at this point, but if Texas tech like continues to struggle, then possibly not. But right now, like DePaul, like, I mean, I think you want that game back, even though they've, They've been so good. I think they could yep. – I would just play probably a scenario where it's you play three games, you play three bad games, like 
three of your worst games in a year. 27, like, ones where it's actually, like, your team and three of your best games. And I think Iowa played three, one of their three worst games in that one. And DePaul played one of their three best ones. Yeah, I think that's a good point. But, yeah, I think that kind of wraps it up for now, our instant reaction. Now, obviously, Iowa's 103-91 loss to Michigan. And, you know, I, I, I think Iowa's going to have this game circled in their calendar when they come back January 17th uh, to Iowa City. I think that that's going to be a very, you know, kind of a must-watch game. I think that, you know, we saw what happened last year when Iowa won 74-59. Um, and Carver Hawkeye last year put together one of their best games of the season. But yeah, like, like I mentioned, 50% off annual subscription to Hawkeye Insider 24-7 Sports, get all the latest Iowa news, scoop, and analysis, as well as access to Iowa's message board, as well as every message board on the 24-7 Sports Network. A lot of great stuff coming at you with signing day, Iowa's bowl game, and basketball season, so be sure to tune into that, and we will talk to you soon.